Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. So Friday morning, I had a meeting in Greenville, and I didn't check the address. And sure enough, when I arrived, I was in the wrong place. It was okay. I was close, and I got where I was going despite the disruption. And then that afternoon, as I was driving over here to the church to meet folks to go to the high school and feed the football players, coaches, and trainers, my car acted up. It had been chirping at me every now and then, and I knew the noise had gotten louder. But as I was driving here, I decided I better stop and make sure it was safe. The good news is it was, and I got where I was going despite the disruption. My dad calls moments like these when you are trying to live your life and you are thwarted by random obstacles, screw tape moments. You may remember me telling you about Screwtape before. He's a character that theologian C.S. Lewis portrays as a highly placed assistant to Satan in his book, The Screwtape Letters. In there, Screwtape corresponds with his nephew, Wormwood, as he directs the younger, inexperienced demon to corrupt the world. Screw tape moments are one way of thinking about the discouraging and nonsensical or chaotic moments that happen in life. But underlying any comical elements is an acknowledgement that the devil and evil are real. Old Scratch is another nickname given to the devil. Both screw tape and old scratch embody evil in ways that our modern and enlightened thinking is quick to dismiss. Because in this secular age, we live in a largely disenchanted world. We're talking about the devil as more and more awkward, and more like telling stories about ghosts or alien abduction or Bigfoot. But if we name the existence of forces that work against God, the powers and principalities of this world that perpetuate evil, then, as Reverend Dr. Barbara Blodgett notes, we can take all the more comfort in the one who saves us from them. When Paul writes his second letter to the church in Thessalonica, he describes the presence of evil in the world in yet another way. Thessalonica was the capital of the Roman province of Macedonia, and the people in the church there were converted Gentiles. But there were others in the city who did not believe in Jesus Christ and persecuted the Christians. Paul, who had first traveled to Thessalonica after a rough reception from the people in Philippi, regarded the Thessalonians with affection. And we hear that clearly in his first letter. Now he has heard that they are suffering, and he writes them to reassure them, to remind them of the promises of their faith and to comfort them. And in this letter, he describes the lawless one. 
and the presence of rebellion against God and deception by the ones who are against God. Although the Western church doesn't experience the kinds of oppression that existed in the first century Christian church, we don't have to look all that far back in history or even in the headlines to see evidence of destructive evil and suffering in the world. This weekend marks the 81st anniversary of Kristallnacht, during which Nazi soldiers executed pogroms or destructive violence against Jewish communities throughout Germany and other annexed states. The troops torched synagogues, businesses, schools, and homes, and 30,000 Jewish men were arrested and sent to concentration camps. The destruction is remembered as the night of broken glass, and its memory continues to bear witness to the shattering of Jewish life that happened during the Holocaust years. Paul's encouragement to the Thessalonians is not to deny the presence of evil, but to remember the promises of faith in spite of it. Paul tells the church, don't fall for deceptions or false truths or be misled. The Lord Jesus Christ, the incarnation of the living God, the Lord of our lives, and the Messiah or Savior of the world is the one who loves us and by his grace comforts us and gives us hope. Remember that you are called to faith by Jesus Christ. Have confidence in the faith you have received, a faith rich with God's promises, not that evil won't manifest, but that it will not prevail. That same promise is ours today. Evil will not prevail. Kristallnacht is not the only anniversary being remembered this weekend. Thirty years ago, the border dividing East and West Berlin in Germany was opened. What is now remembered as the day the wall came down began as a political announcement removing the barriers that had obstructed the movement of people between the two states. But it quickly escalated into the removal of the physical wall as people chipped away at it to collect souvenirs and bulldozers moved in. While most of us can remember the day the wall came down in Berlin, what mo many of us might not have known is that seven years earlier, Seven years, the people at Nikolai Church, a Lutheran church in the East German city of Leipzig, began holding prayer services. People numbering in the hundreds came together every Monday night, gathering to pray for peace and democracy in the divided country. When Soviet leader Mikhail Gorbachev was in East Berlin in October 1989 to celebrate the East German state's 40th anniversary, pro-democracy demonstrations were put down with force. But two days later, there were 2,000 people or so 
inside Nikolai Church for the Monday night prayer meeting. And when those 2,000 went outside, they joined tens of thousands waiting with candles in their hands. Pastor Christian Fuhrer recalls two hands are necessary to carry a candle and prevent it from extinguishing. So you cannot carry stones or clubs at the same time. So though there were some arrests and the East German military units were on alert, there was no massive display of force. What had begun as a few hundred gathering at the Nikolai Church had swelled to more than 70,000, all united in peaceful opposition to the communist regime. And the following week, 70,000 became 120,000. And then 120,000 became 320,000. And they laid their candles on the steps of the East German secret police headquarters and waiting, they prayed and they sang. And 30 years ago, on November 9th, the Berlin Wall fell and East and West Germany began to find a new way forward. The good news from Paul's letter to the Thessalonians is that the hope we have in Jesus Christ is not in vain. As Christians, we are not defeated by this world or the evil in it. But we aren't called to ignore it either. Reflecting on this text, Presbyterian pastor Anita Pringle writes, God wants to find us at work for those things that are dear to God. Forces that defy God and powers of this world that rebel against God continue. Even as we recognize veterans for their service during our morning worship, it is estimated that nationally, 20 veterans complete suicide every day, and 46,000 veterans are homeless. Heartbreaking evil persists in systems and institutions, and humankind suffers. As Christians, we are called to respond to the suffering we witness, and not with a spirit of cowardice but rather a spirit of love and power. God wants us to live out our baptismal covenant where we promise to serve all people following the example of Jesus and to strive for justice and peace in all the earth. Here in his letter to the church, Paul reminds us that we are not defeated and we are not helpless. We are Christ's church, called to bear God's love and mercy, comfort and hope into the world. Let us pray. Holy Comforter, thank you for your grace, love, and mercy known through your Son, Jesus, the incarnation of the living God, Lord of our lives and Savior of the world. By your spirit, empower us to bear hope into the world, confident that your light will dispel any darkness. We pray in Jesus' name.